0: Alright, welcome to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. This is Core Navani and uh, in the next two episodes, we'll be doing something a little different. We recorded a lot longer than we expected to, so we decided to break up our episode into two parts. So this is part one, which is all the sports content, and part two has non-sports content where we talk about the coronavirus, social distancing, as well as our top five. So without further ado, part one. Alright, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a Mostly Sports Podcast. I'm Corey Novotny and I'm joined today as always by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. Uh, Today we will be continuing our NFL free agency discussion from last episode as the new league year officially kicked off on March 18th. Since then, there have been tons of signings throughout the NFL world. We'll talk about some of the biggest moves, or at least some of the most notable ones, and we'll also talk about our teams, uh, what they've done, give grades on the first uh, couple weeks of free agency. From there, we will talk about some Other coronavirus-related news, NFL Draft is going on as scheduled. However, the Olympics have postponed the 2020 Tokyo Games to sometime next year in 2021, while Major League Baseball uh, has outlined a new labor agreement as they uh, weigh the different possibilities of whether or not a season will be played in the 2020 calendar year. We'll also talk about some of the social distancing activities, things we've done during our uh, various forms of isolation. And, uh, you know, what we've we've been doing to keep busy, maybe give you guys some ideas of things that you can do in, uh, in the future. And finally, with all of the, nurses and doctors, first responders, medical workers all throughout the country coming together, doing what they can to slow down this coronavirus and National Doctors' Day conveniently coming up on March 30th, we will count down our favorite TV and movie doctors in today's top five. So let's get started with NFL free agency. And last time, we thought it was going to happen. It wasn't official. As of now, it is TBXTV. It is FBO. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's made his Instagram posts. He's had his initial press conferences. And, Brian, I have to ask you, are you officially a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan now?
1: i uh, close to it, yeah.
0: Uh, well, I know uh,
1: the last 20 years of my life, football-wise, have been pretty awesome. And before that, uh, a lot of Patriots fans were suffering and talking about the glory days of what it was like to have consistent 4-12 and 12 seasons and not even coming close to a Super Bowl, even though they had a couple appearances versus the Bears and Packers, but but lost. But now I'm about to face reality and know what that was like because they, Tom Bray's no longer with the Patriots and now they have Jared Stidham and now Brian Hoyer again, and who knows if he's going to be their QB1. Either way, it looks like I'm preparing for a 6-10, ten, seven, nine, eight and 8
0: season. So I know that a lot of uh, Patriots fans are huge Tom Brady fans for good reason. So it seems like a lot of you are very much all in on the Bucks at this point. And Brian, you did bring up some good points about the Patriots kind of struggles. Uh, and Ben, you have been all on Tom Brady to the box, singing this is a great scenario. So how, how are you going into uh, this new situation now that Brady is officially a Buccaneer?
2: Oh, I love it. I'm so happy for not only Tom Brady, but also for the Buccaneers organization. I know a few Buccaneers fans who have been very faithful to the franchise, and I've watched them suffer for years, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, they have, in their entire history of their franchise, they've had almost... No luck at all at a quarterback position. Jameis Winston was supposed to be the savior, and we all know how that went. So I think it is so refreshing to see him go to a franchise that really, I know they have a Super Bowl, but they really haven't had that kind of success. Uh, A lot of people who are just don't even know much about the NFL probably don't even know that the Buccaneers are a football team. They're not like necessarily one of those iconic teams that everyone thinks of when they think of the NFL, and I think Tom Brady has an opportunity to change
1: that. And they haven't made the playoffs since 2007, which is, I think, the second longest yeah, only uh, behind the Browns. in the league yeah. outside of Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, the,
0: the Bucks are arguably right. the most irrelevant team in NFL history. I, yeah, mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, teams, okay, but they have a Super Bowl, though. It's they tough do. to make that they argument. You're but you're right.
2: that, that but is, I agree. As From, like, a cultural perspective or, like, because they're not bad enough to be, like, the worst, which brings its own notoriety. They're just bad enough to just be completely forgotten.
0: I mean, and they, they have a case to being the worst. Obviously, winning a Super Bowl probably takes that out because there are plenty of teams who haven't done that. And the Browns, you can talk about them since they came back to Cleveland. Back in the day, I mean, they won NFL championships. They They went to AFC championship games. They came close to going to Super Bowls. Uh, And I think the Detroit Lions, to me, uh, just how horrible their history has been, like they should take that honor, either them or the Cardinals. But the Bucs, when you're looking at a team, I think their first season was 1976. They went 0-14. They were the only winless team before the Lions and the Browns in recent years. So the uh, Bucs, if you're talking about just expansion teams, teams since that AFL-NFL merger, they certainly are kind of up there when it comes to that odds and it, it's kind of crazy to think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably going to get the maximum number of primetime games because of Tom Brady.
2: I love that. It's such a great again, like I said, it's like a it's a uh, great change of pace. You know, instead of having Tom Brady, it's like, oh, now Tom Brady gets to be the Broncos quarterback and give them a Super Bowl or or now he's going to the Colts and they know everything about having a franchise quarterback going to the Buccaneers who have been so uh, maligned and and, and suffered so much. It's it's, uh, for me, that's nice to see, you know, the one of the more victimized franchises have
1: some good fortune go their way for once. It, when we were talking about teams that Brady was possibly going to, the Bucks honestly never really crossed my mind. I mean, yes, they have some great weapons on their offense, but that was kind of the only reason or the only case that I can make for Brady going to the Bucks, going to that city. I felt like he was someone that was primed to go to a bigger city like LA and going to the Chargers or going to Vegas to the Raiders. I mean, Tampa Bay just made no sense to me. In terms of a uh, city living standpoint it was kind of nice yeah. though being like you said being that irre- irrelevant friend yeah but i don't know i think brady's kind of above <laughs> people,
0: it, it, it's like it's a honky Bay, to town <laughs> i mean florida as a state obviously has their reputation um i i do agree from that perspective that brian's coming from uh reports had been coming out for a while that Giselle didn't have an interest in the West Coast. I think a lot of people assumed, oh, L.A., Vegas lifestyle makes so much sense for them. Uh, but part of the appeal was staying on the East Coast by going to Tampa. And there were a few teams that adding Brady made sense from just a PR perspective and Tampa Bay certainly fits that perspective I mean you're talking to the team I think they were 31st in attendance last year and they're already having season tickets like waits for them they're going to be absolutely sold out every single game you're probably gonna have a ton of Patriots fans who are going to fly south in November December to be able to watch Tom Brady play so I, I think from that perspective this makes a ton of sense and then we kind of get into the weapons in, you know, I, I talked about it last time. I'm I'm of the opinion that he's that Tom Brady. While he's going to have these big playmakers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I don't think he's going to use them as effectively as Jameis Winston does. At least, maybe from a fantasy perspective, Brady's not going to throw thirty picks. But Bruce Arians, if he wants to run that same kind of offense with Brady, I just don't think that he still has the ability to throw the ball downfield, have that same kind of passing attack that he had so much success with five, ten years ago. And I I just think from that perspective, I don't know if this is the greatest fit. Now, if Belichick decides to give him Julian Edelman or if he gets a player of that caliber, maybe that would change things, but I'm kind of reserved when it comes to Tampa having success this year.
1: No, I could side with that. He definitely needs that safety blanket in the middle where he well, if it's not Edelman, but I mean Justin Watson was half decent Watson last year I don't or is know that if he can in the Bucs? No 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 just Justin I, Watson I... on the bucks
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> But yeah no he definitely needs that slot receiver that he can count on if because yeah he's probably not as effective with the deep ball as other quarterbacks I
2: now. I think you guys are disrespecting Chris Godwin and Mike Evans a little more than uh is warranted because you can't double them both these guys aren't just running a straight line deep route guys they can cook you on route running as well so I, I think that tom brady is going to have a much easier time throwing to these guys not to mention that he loves tight ends and the buccaneers have the potential to run a two tight end offense i
1: don't know if that's in bruce arians playbook but it's they they have the t- tight yeah, they their tight ends so, last season their tight ends last season did not do, perform to the expectations, but now that Brady's there, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake probably could. Big time. O.J. Yeah. Howard is just
2: waiting to break out, and um, Tom Brady is definitely going to get on the ball.
0: They they are going to need to rely on those guys. Um, I, the The Bucks defense, they've they've done a lot uh, last year to make improvements. They're doing what they can to keep some of those guys, which we'll get into, uh, but – the offensive line, I think, is still a bit of a question mark to me in Tampa. Um, I do feel like they're going to need to invest resources in there. Probably that 14th overall pick um, on an offensive tackle just to give Brady some more protection because that was certainly an issue with the Patriots in 2019.
1: Another thing that will help the Bucks' offense is also having pass catching running backs. I don't know if, I don't think Ryan and Barber are, are perfect.
3: Yeah,
0: I don't. Did you with somebody already? And they already cut they, they cut Peyton Barber. They still have Ronald Jones, but Peyton Barber has gone. They're yeah, no, but didn't Peyton
2: day. Barber sign recently? I thought he did.
0: Oh, I don't know. He might have gone elsewhere. Um, but he's not. He's not in Tampa anymore.
1: Well, either either way, like they they, for Brady to have more, a little bit, even more success in the Bucs offense, it'd be nice to have a pass catching running back. Oh, I agree,
0: and I and. If that happens, if he is able to bring in a James White or Julian Edelman type player, then that'll change things. But as the way it stands, I'm not sold on the Bucks being that much better with Tom Brady than they were with Jameis Winston. I think they're a wild card team, given that they're
1: in a division and with if the NFC South is going to be really I good this year. I can't um, wait
0: to watch Breeze Brady twice
2: in the regular season. That's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm already ready to jump on the take that the Bucs are going to struggle this year. That they're going to be like nine and seven, can maybe. You, I can, can you know I can absolutely see a scenario where it plays out like the Patriots this year. You know, maybe they won't play like a a JV type schedule to start the season, but they could start out like five and two. Everyone's all high on Tampa, and then they kind of collapse down the stretch, win eight nine games, and maybe they get the seventh playoff spot. But very likely in the NFC, they'd miss out still and um, I'm going to ride with that. I'm going to declare that now that Tampa's going to miss the playoffs, and that will be my narrative. And if they start 5-2, and two, then I'm going to say, no, I told you back in March they're going to collapse down the stretch, and uh, we'll, we'll see how long that goes. Because you know, one thing that kind of blows my mind is the thought that there might be some people out there who have hated the Patriots and their dynasty for a long time, and all of a sudden now that Brady's in Tampa, they're going to be a Bucks fan. Because to me, how... How can you separate Tom Brady from the past 20 years of the Patriots? And I get that Patriots fans, a lot of them are very annoying on social media in the way that they um, just go at other fans because of all of their championships that they've single-handedly contributed to.
1: Hate us because they ain't us. Yeah,
0: exactly. Stuff like that. But still, like I don't want to see either of them have success. I'm not going to all of a sudden be like this huge Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan just because he's not on the Patriots anymore. So... I'm I'm absolutely out on them. I think the Saints are going to win the division, and I hope that the Falcons and the Panthers, uh, with some of the moves they've made, are much better than they have been the past couple of years. And that you know Tampa isn't that much better, and Tom Brady doesn't win a seven Super Bowl there.
1: I'm I'm definitely in the middle when it comes to the Bucs where I think they'll have success and I think they'll make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll go that much further. Another thing to also mention about Brady, he's now not in, he's not going to play in the cold weather anymore. Uh, he's going to play eight games in nice warm weather. And I know he's had some struggles in Miami. Yeah, I mean, you but...
0: said exactly like every December home but he's also, game. He, is and he, he also lose? has
1: he also has multiple dome games as well. And he's one of the best, if not the best, dome quarterback as well, playing in at Atlanta and then at New Orleans as well. Well, that's going to be a tough game, but I think I think it'll be fine. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you on their season. Yeah, I,
2: I think that they're. I think they're going to be successful, and I still consider it to be successful if they don't win the division, but if they make the playoffs. Uh, It's tough to beat Drew Brees, man, Um, and not being as good as the loaded Saints does not mean you're not a good football team, Um, but just real quick, Peyton Barber did sign with the Skins on a two-year, $3 million deal, and uh, Pat McAfee on his sports show was talking about how you can make some easy money betting on the Buccaneers to win more games than the Patriots next season. And I wanted to hear you guys' takes on this because he convinced me. I think it's a safe bet that the Buccaneers will win more games than the Patriots. Uh, that being said, the Patriots still have Bill Belichick. So what
1: do you guys think? I think in the short term, the Bucs have a better chance of winning more games. But I don't think either of them are going to win a Super Bowl again. But if I put my money on which team is gonna win a Super Bowl within the next, you know, few years, I would actually pick the Patriots. So short term the Bucks I think have a better shot, given that Brady probably only has a couple more years left. But I think Bill really wants to catch Shula uh and wants to prove he can win a Super Bowl without Brady. So I think long term the Patriots look better. But for this upcoming season, give me the Bucks and wins.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Um, I really don't trust Jared Sidham or Brian Hoyer. My hope is that they win enough games to avoid the Patriots getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and one of these like can't-miss quarterback prospects. Uh, but I, I don't expect them to be that great this year. I don't think they're going to win the AFC East. And I would say that the Bucks have a, a better shot of having great success this year. So I would take the Bucks in 2020. But like Brian, I like the Patriots more long term. Um, now that they've moved on from Brady and Belichick has the opportunity to evaluate his roster without Brady and put himself in position to find that replacement.
1: You've said that you've said just now that your take is the the Bucks aren't going to the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, I mean the Bucks mind. will
0: go eight and eight, and the Patriots go five and eleven. But like,
1: yeah uh, that 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 was kind of my take where I think they're going to be like eight and eight at best, and that probably doesn't help them making the playoffs. Even though they're in a crappy division and the AFC isn't very good outside of Kansas City, I still don't think. They'll make the playoffs next season.
0: I mean, Ben, what are your what's your take? Well, I,
2: I think they'll
0: make the playoffs. The Bucs and the Patriots?
2: Oh, not the Patriots, but I think okay. the, the Buccaneers will.
0: I could still see the Patriots making the playoffs. I could see Belichick putting things together. Yeah, um, I, don't know. I, just,
2: I, I don't know exactly, but I, as we're talking strictly Bucs, yeah. I think that they yep. will make the playoffs.
0: My, my thing with the Patriots is not just that they lost Brady, but it's that they've lost so many guys this offseason. Yeah. and I think it's a good transition. So let's talk about our off seasons and Patriots. Patriots, Brian's favorite team. Let's go. Let's uh, talk about some of the the additions, the subtractions, and uh, give him a grade to this point.
1: Well, they lost the greatest quarterback of all time. They lost Jamie Collins. They lost Kyle Van Noy, and they they brought back Devin McCourty, which I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Devin McCourty. I'm not saying he's this All Pro. Ed Reed, Troy Palomalu's safety, but I've always liked how he's handled himself on and off the field. So that's probably the one thing that I was a huge fan of because outside of that, everything else has been pretty bad. Uh, They got, oh, they also got Matthew Slater back as well. Great core special teamer, but how much does special teams really. How much does it help you really win football games? Not that much. All three phases,
2: man.
0: Yeah, I disagree. I think special teams <laughs> helped the Patriots win a lot of games this year. They don't win Buffalo. In the they don't win yeah, Dallas, yeah, they had some, so they, they don't had some nice,
1: punts. they had some nice couple block punts, but uh, they, it was in it a helped them, it and helped them win that and Buffalo game. 10 games. That Buffalo game, the Buffalo game, it, it was their only touchdown. Yeah, exactly. That's why it helped them win that game, but it doesn't help them win Super Bowls. Uh they also picked up Damari Bird, who was pretty good in Carolina and Demir Bird. Demir <laughs> Bird. Demir Bird. Demir Bird, whatever. Whatever. We'll never get names right. Uh so I, I give him an F. Yeah. They're they're gonna go six and ten. That's my take. That's
2: harsh. That is harsh. Um, do you want to move on to the 49ers? Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about the 49ers because of the block buster trade uh, that we discussed on the last episode so i'll try not to linger on those but uh, the 49ers re-signed eric armstead to a massive deal uh, which y- you weren't gonna be able to keep that whole offense or defensive line so you got to look at it as a positive to be able to keep some of it ronald blair was re-signed he's a pretty decent depth uh player if you can keep him healthy he towards acl this season uh his nickname is ronnie bravo which is what I my favorite uh attribute that he has it's a good um, <laughs> that is a good nickname daniel brunskill <laughs> who saw limited action this season when uh De- joe staley went down he is uh he was re-signed a great backup offensive tackle the 49ers offense didn't slow down very much when we lost both tackles um jimmy ward now this is an interesting one i don't know how many headlines this made but the 49ers signed him to a three-year 28.5 million dollar deal and he actually took a hometown deal as they say uh, with the 49ers because the raiders offered him half a million more per year uh if like to sign with them but he said that he wanted the 40 he wanted to stay with the 49ers took a slightly smaller deal which is awesome that's you don't see that a lot uh but it does make a lot of sense in jimmy's case because jimmy ward spent basically his first four seasons just injured like every year he'd come out there and just get injured immediately and be out he'd come back and then get injured again like it's glass bones kind of thing and I mean, when he was taken by Jim Harbaugh in the first round, a lot of people were surprised anyways, because he was he was definitely not one of the names that was floating around as one of these first-round picks, and he came, he finally came to fruition last season uh, as a huge playmaker on this 49ers defense. Uh, the 49ers are able to retain 10 out of the 11 starters on that defense, obviously DeForest Buckner being the one departure, Jimmy Ward a very... Uh, important re-signing so that we don't have to look for replacement safety. Keeps that safety tandem of Tchaikovsky-Tart and Jimmy Ward together. Uh, Another re-signing Ben Garland the backup center Uh, he replaced Weston Richburg when Weston Richburg went down uh, towards the end of last season and Ben Garland was the center all the way into the Super Bowl and we basically didn't see any real drop off in center play and it's nice to have a backup that you can kind of forget is a backup he was able to step right into the starting lineup. More or less uh, give the same production that uh, Weston Richburg was able to bring. Uh, now we'll move on to restricted free agents for the 49ers, Kendrick Bourne and Matt Breida. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, the uh, the 49ers running backs, they signed uh, Matt Breida to a restricted, they tendered his restricted contract. Um, I don't know all the terminology, but basically it, it means that another team uh, can offer him a contract and the 49ers can match it. Um,
0: did they give him a second-round tender?
2: Yes, same thing with Kendrick Bourne. Um, So that means if someone also undrafted, yes, okay, yes, and Kendrick Bourne. I really hope that we get to keep him because he has been. Like if you ever have played Madden and you get to create a character and you get to choose your like level of skill, where if you choose to be um, like a first rounder, your overall starts very high, but your growth trait is like not that high. So you're good, but you don't grow that much. Kendrick Bourne is if you do the undrafted route where you start off terrible, but you grow very quickly. And he, he has developed a lot within this 49ers organization. And being on the team for a long time, going from bad to good, I think that the sky is the limit for this guy, and he can continue to be good. So I hope that we're able to retain him um, because, as we'll get into, the 49ers still need to improve in the wide receiver department. Also, Matt Breida, an absolute cheetah with the ball, um, would love to keep him around, but you can only, you know, there's only so many carries to go around in the 49ers' backfield. And at this point, I feel like Kyle Shanahan can just. Give the ball to whoever he wants uh, and it'll work. But um, notable departures, DeForest Buckner. We talked about this. It's a huge loss, a gaping hole on the 49ers D line. And it's going to be imperative that we find a way to fill that hole. So far, we haven't. So far, there is a huge flaw in this 49ers D line. And we're going to have the solution has not been revealed to us yet um somebody who potentially could have filled that hole in more of a backup capacity definitely not uh the same skill level was sheldon day um although he's more of a one technique uh one technique D tackle he actually is going to the colts as well uh he's following his former teammate deforest buckner i guess his teammate deforest buckner to indy uh to indy and going to join him there on a one-year deal he's a notable departure and uh probably the most notable since the last podcast, Emmanuel Sanders, veteran leader of the wide receiver group. I hope we have plans to replace him because we there was the potential to spend the money there and the 49ers opted not to. I think the Saints just got themselves an amazing weapon and yeah. again, the 49ers have a hole to fill here potentially with the 13th pick. So, all together I'm going to give these 49ers a B, a solid B, not a B minus, not a B plus, a solid B. You did a lot to retain the defense. You did a lot to retain depth. But we still need wide receivers, and we still need a true three technique to replace DeForest Buckner. So we'll have to see. There's a lot to do. If the 49ers can't make good moves in the draft, then we might be having a different conversation
0: come uh, kickoff. Now, I'm surprised given the losses of Buckner and Sanders that you still gave them a B. I think those are two pretty notable losses. I think those are big additions for the Colts and Saints, respectively. I'm uh, really excited to see what Drew Brees does when you add a player of Emmanuel Sanders' caliber to what he already has in Michael Thomas. Uh, that being said, the 49ers, by trading to Forrest Buckner, do have the 13th pick. They also have the 31st pick. I think number 13, the belief among... Basically, anyone, 49ers fans, NFL draft experts, whoever is, they're going to replace one of those guys, whether it's a defensive tackle like Javon Kinlaw, Game Cox, or Derek Brown from Auburn, or a receiver like one of Alabama's Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy or Oklahoma's CeeDee Lamb. So, 49ers obviously have a great pick. Uh, they have two first round picks, but they don't have another pick till the fifth round, correct? So, no. Um... Is it. The fourth round. The fourth round. Okay, but that's you're yeah, looking day at day three. three. No day yeah. two picks. So there's certainly a possibility that they could try to turn one of those, probably the 31st, into a second and a third, two-thirds, however they go about it. Uh, but it, it does seem like those are holes that will need to be fixed. Uh, but it's, they got their work cut out for them in terms of the draft. So
2: Yes, um, but I do want to stress a lot of people, like they see Emmanuel Sanders walk out the door, they see the 49ers just let go of their number one wide receiving option. Don't forget we have George Kittle. Don't forget that we have Debo Samuel, the best 49ers wide receiver, sorry, 49ers rookie wide receiver since Terrell Owens. So there's a chance that he grows even more and can fill that role. Uh, Certainly the front office thinks so. Otherwise, I hope they would have spent the money. Uh, But, you know, we'll have to see. There's definitely a need there at wide receiver.
0: Yeah, so the draft still going to... Happen next month. So, uh, certainly more opportunities to improve, really, both of your teams. Uh, so, from there, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers entered free agency, or at least the pre free agency legal tampering window, with negative cap space. They did not have room to add anyone to the roster. Now, the belief going into the offseason was that they would do whatever it takes to be able to franchise tag pass rusher Bud Dupree, keep him and TJ Watt together. Those two had tremendous success last season. The defense played a, a huge role in the Steelers going 8-8, eight and eight, being alive until the final game of the season, uh, despite Ben Roethlisberger getting injured in Week 2 and Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges having to be the quarterbacks the rest of the way. So... The Steelers cut some guys that were depth players. Uh, Mark Barron, Anthony Ciccolo were two linebackers who are no longer with the team. Ramon Foster, starting left guard, was likely to be cut. He decided to retire as opposed to uh, trying to play with a different team. So the Steelers were able to create the cap space through those releases as well as some restructures. A ton of veterans were restructured. Now that being said, along with retaining Bud Dupree came the expected departure of Javon Hargrave. Defensive tackle, the Eagles paid him a contract that makes him the highest paid nose tackle in the NFL. And that was certainly something the Steelers weren't willing to match uh, for a really solid third round pick. Now, in terms of replacing him, I do think that there, there could be more that can be done. They're not going, the Steelers aren't going to be able to replace all of that value with a singular player. Um, kind of talking about some others, Tyler Matakavich, special teams captain and special teams ace. He signs with the Buffalo Bills, two years, $9 million, outside of the Steelers price range. But while all of those guys were leaving, the Steelers were doing their thing with restructuring seemingly every veteran. And all of a sudden they had cap space. So what did they do? The first move was signing fullback and special team ace Derek Watt. Derek Watt's contract comes in at less than Tyler Matakavich. And Watt is able to come in and replace Roosevelt Nix, a fullback for the Steelers, who was great in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen Pro Bowl type seasons. Twenty nineteen he spent most of it on IIR. The running game certainly took a drop off at that point, not having Knicks. So the idea now is you replace both of those guys with a much cheaper option and just one player. So right away, that's a fantastic move. Of course, Derek Watt, TJ Watt brothers, leads to a lot of speculation when bringing JJ in. As much as Bill O'Brien loves just giving away guys (laughs) for nothing, uh, I don't anticipate JJ joining that uh, tandem and making it a trio. That being said, the Steelers made other moves that, are going to help out the team. The next one was signing uh, Steven Wisniewski, 10-year NFL veteran, starting left guard for the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 52, and the starting left guard for the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 54. Took over as the team's left guard in Week 16. Didn't give up the job after that. He comes in and replaces B.J. Finney, who was the Steelers' uh, main backup interior lineman. He played left guard, center, or right guard when guys were injured or needed to come out for various reasons. Uh, Suspensions included with uh, Marquise Pouncey this past season. So Finney's gone. Wisniewski comes in, has veteran experience. Despite being in his 10th year and Finney entering his 5th, is actually only two years older. So it's not like there's just old guy replacing this young gun. Uh, And Wisniewski immediately takes over in that depth role. He could come in and be the starting left guard to replace Foster, or Matt Filer, the starting right tackle, can move into left guard, allowing Zach Banner and Chuck Sokafor, two younger Steelers prospects, the opportunity to compete for that starting right tackle job while maintaining Wisniewski as a backup guard and center. The next day, the Steelers made really the, the one move that can be considered a flashy signing, something that I didn't realistically see happening, and that was signing Eric Ebron. Two years, $12 million. million in 2020. He'll have a $2.5 million signing bonus in 2021. That would represent a dead cap charge with the uh, remaining going up to $8.5 million if he remains on the team. Now, Eric Ebron was disappointing in 2019. I think we can all agree with that. He had injuries. Uh, There were thoughts that he quit on the Colts by having surgery without really telling them and ending his season early. But in 2018, when Andrew Luck was a quarterback, as opposed to Jacoby Brissett, he had 13 touchdowns, 66 catches. He had a phenomenal season. Uh, so if the Steelers are paying 2019 Eric Ebron for 2018 Eric Ebron, that is a tremendous move. Certainly some risk, but the, the reward is huge. And they're getting the most dynamic receiver Ben Roethlisberger's has ever had when it comes to the tight end position. Uh, you, you look at Vance McDonald. He's someone who maybe has that argument. Heath Miller, fantastic no way. blocker. Vance McDonald, yeah.
2: is is a no.
0: That's look at the the Steelers tight ends. Heath Miller, phenomenal he, tight end. Heath Miller is he great, better blocker. than
2: Vance McDonald
0: all around. Yes, but in terms of like receiving, Heath Miller was not necessarily known as this like fantasy football legend like down the field <sighs> neither stretcher. was
2: Vance mcdonald
0: though. no but we used to call him right. you know was, what his nickname was he, with the 49ers yeah, Stonehands. hands Stonehands mcdonald he didn't yeah. he didn't have drop better issues. in
1: pitts better in pittsburgh than he was <laughs> He's,
0: he was much better but his so the, the issue with him is he can't say healthy ebron of course had his health concerns but if the sealers have ebron and mcdonald in theory at least one of them is going to be healthy and one of them can had the potential with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger to be a top ten caliber tight end when it comes to at least the receiving game. Ebron, so Ebron more likely. I agree. Ebron, it would be great if if he exceeds his his uh, contract. So, do you think that? Do you think the Steelers are good enough to make the playoffs? I haven't even gone through all the moves yet. So let's let's, let's <laughs> oh, come on. No. Yeah, they've they've done a lot of stuff. I know they didn't have any cap space. They've made a few more moves. So. Uh, Beyond that, they also made a super rare trade with their arch rival Baltimore Ravens, getting Chris Warmly, a defensive lineman, their third round pick in 2017. He comes in and provides depth. He helps replace a bit of what was lost in Javon Hargrave. Whether he comes in as the starting defensive tackle, along with Safan Tour to Cameron Hayward, or just someone who comes in in that rotation, you also have veteran Tyson Alulu, 2019 six round pick Isaiah Bugs. So they'll have opportunities now. This a lot of depth that's coming in with. Wisniewski and uh, by bringing in Warmly so they also were able to with second round tenders retain slot corner Mike Hilton and Matt Filer the, the aforementioned starting right tackle potentially moving to starting left guard while also not tendering Jordan Dangerfield but bringing him back as safety and special team stuff. They also added four XFL players, most notably Kavon Walker, who led the XFL in sacks with four and a half and five games for the New York Guardians. So that's another guy who's coming in who could potentially help out on that defensive line. So overall, I give the Steelers offseason in terms of what they've done so far with free agency, a B plus exceeded expectations. I'm not giving him an A because I think Hargrave is a big loss, and they aren't able to replace him with a kind of one-for-one one type move like they can with other guys that they lost. Uh, and the Ebron, of course, comes with some risk. I'm not going to assume that he's going to come in and be the kind of guy he was in 2018. I already was burned badly by the Dante Moncrief disaster last year, so I'm, I'm uh, being a little pessimistic, certainly more optimistic about that one. Uh, overall, B+. Plus. And to answer your question, Brian, yes. Not only do I think the Steelers can make the playoffs, but I've legitimately started to convince myself that they can beat out the Ravens and win the AFC North. Wow! So
1: you think you think the Patriots or not the Patriots? You you think the Bucks won't make the playoffs with Tom Brady, but the Steelers will make the playoffs with Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald, and Juju Smith-Schuster,
0: James Washington, who broke out, Deontay Johnson, who led all rookies in receiving. James Conner, who was a 2018 Pro Bowler. I I think that... So another big thing with their free
1: agency... And Big Big Ben, who's probably completely out of shape after being out all of last season. He said he's in the least
0: amount of pain he's been in years when it comes to throwing the football. And he has so much time to get back into it. He's nothing better to do than work out right now.
1: So, yeah, which I'm sure he's doing, and he's not.
0: Yeah. getting hammered. He, or... Have you not seen him? Did you not see that uh, photo he posted in the gym? No, of I'll, him? I'll no.
1: I'll admit I've only seen his mountaineer pictures of him. Yeah, and his he, giant beard and twenty pounds over. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what he was drinking, but he definitely posted like some kind of like protein workout concoction thing while he was like sitting on a bench in a gym, and it uh, definitely was a, a funny photo. But like. It's something you're like, it's good seeing this. Like I would much rather see this kind of thing from Ben Roethlisberger than him dressed up like a mountaineer at a West Virginia basketball game. Um, yeah. But one one big thing about the Steelers' free agency, though, we talk about the draft and how the 49ers have these holes that they're going to need to fill. The Steelers could trot out 22 guys and be all set. With, with they their current roster, any kind of draft – pick can be best available. They can be drafting for depth. They don't have a needed hole. And given the uncertainty of this offseason, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of training camps right now. We don't know how the coronavirus is going to affect the NFL. So if the Steelers are playing with a short offseason, it'll be great having veteran guys not having to worry about bringing in rookies, playing huge roles, having to develop them uh, basically on the fly. So I think from that perspective, the Steelers have far and away exceeded what I thought they would do this offseason, and I think they're in great shape, especially with seven playoff teams. We know that it the, the league had seven playoff teams the last ten years, the Steelers would have never missed the playoffs, and I don't have a reason to believe that that would, that would not be true again this year.
1: I like how you gave an entire team breakdown of all their additions and, and losses, but like for me it's just, yeah, they lost Tom Brady, so we're screwed. Yeah,
0: You know, the Steelers didn't lose Ben Roethlisberger, so... I, so there's hope. There's yeah, still hope. There's kind
1: of some hope.
0: There is. So now let's let's there's talk more hope than than me. You're right. Yes. So let let's talk about some other teams now. Some other new uh, moves. So we've each picked three guys that we want to talk about. So Ben, how about you get started with your three?
2: Okay. So the first player I want to talk about is Nadamik and Sue. Uh, part of the reason why he was on my radar was because he'd be perfect to fill the hole left by. DeForest Buckner, but unfortunately, he won't be headed to the West Coast. He's staying right there in Tampa to lock down that D-line, uh, try to you know have some support on the other side of the ball for his new quarterback, Tom Brady. What really interested me about this is I saw a stat that and sue has lined up alongside the league-leading pass rusher the last two seasons, and that's obviously, we're counting sacks. That's the pass rusher stat um so that's shaq barrett this past season and aaron donald a season ago so i think this is an important signing dominican sue is a lot of work in the trenches and not necessarily getting all the glory um i've always said dominican sue is a nasty guy he'll get in there and he'll you know poke your eye and stomp on your ankle if it means getting the dub for his team or not getting the dub when he was on the lions um and i think that that's going to be and the dolphins yeah so this is gonna be important for this buccaneers team and i think it's a tremendous signing by them yeah i i, I think that the
0: bucks keeping and King sue and shaquille barrett uh, to that on that defensive line is huge for them because their defense definitely stepped up last year. Um, I don't know that they're going to be quite as good as the Patriots' defense that Tom Brady had last year, but they're going to need that defense. They're going to need Todd Bowles to to continue to make improvements there if they're going to have success this year.
2: Yep. All right. Um. Next, the next player I want to talk about is Devin Funches to the Packers. Devin Funchess, if you are like, who's that? I haven't heard of that guy, and like. Uh, a whole almost a whole season it's because he got injured uh week one last season uh playing with the colts and he has an opportunity
0: to redeem himself going to the packers did he not play at all after that i don't think so i i don't think i heard his name so that makes so much sense i don't know that i realized that he got injured
2: yeah i'm pretty sure he was out for the whole season after getting hurt for the Okay. The, the only reason I'm doubting myself now is because you're doubting it, and your memory is like <laughs> no. Perfect, I mean, I just thought he but, was a
0: bust last year, but the fact that you're saying this, tells no, he me definitely he's dead. got he hurt. The cult, okay. the
1: Colts' receivers outside of Ty is really it's a huge downgrade after him. Yeah, um, but he's exactly the type of wide receiver you want to have across
2: um, from Devonte Adams, which is just someone who can catch the football. Devin Funchess is a like uh, you know a, a good second option and he's going to get a lot of single coverage and wide open opportunities I think if we've learned anything from uh you know seeing Aaron Rodgers's career, is he can get the ball to his receivers just make sure you can catch it and I think Devin Funchess can do that I think he has an opportunity to have a big year uh with the Packers
1: yeah he was someone that was pretty good in Carolina with with Cam uh you know two or three years ago but didn't do anything last year because of what happened but now you can have a huge rebound season with a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and finally
2: we'll move on to uh not necessarily a uh signing definitely not a signing but the opposite a cut uh Cam Newton he was cut by the Carolina Panthers in the ultimate show of disrespect and it's opened up a lot of opportunities for him to go basically anywhere so um i kind of wanted to hear what you guys had just to say on the the prospect of ken newton's future what i hope happens is um i mean i've been watching i follow him on instagram because you know we all love not being able to read captions and um, he's been looking pretty athletic. You know, I can't really tell how good he's going to be at football, but he's been doing he's been putting in the work in the gym. He looks angry. He looks pissed off because the Carolina Panthers, the house that Cam built, they totally spit on him and said, "Get lost." Um, I would love to see this man join the the Patriots and go on a tear. I think it would be amazing if he joined forces with Bill Belichick and showed the Panthers what they're missing.
1: From what I saw at the end of 2018 and the only two weeks he played in 2019 I said it last week Like I don't think he has much left but I don't think it's stupid to take a chance on him to see if he's still if that if that layoff if that that what he the weeks he missed the 14 weeks he missed uh, last season if that helps him rejuvenate to him becoming a great player again then I'm all for it uh I, I'm for the in a Patriots aspect. I would prefer him over Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham. Uh, I think I think he's going to the Chargers. If I had to make a prediction, uh, replacing Philip Rivers and playing along before or behind Tyrod Taylor, whichever, if he's healthy or not.
0: So Cam Newton, if he is healthy, if he can play sixteen games, I think he would absolutely change the prospects for the Patriots when it comes to the quarterback position he would be a huge upgrade over both Jared Sittum and Brian Hoyer I think that Cam Newton still has a talent in him if he can stay healthy if he can avoid those horrible hits and all the things that plagued him last season and like Brian said 2018 they started out really strong I think they went five and two out of the gates and they finished like six and ten seven and nine so that team was not uh, not in a great shape when Cam Newton the kind of like the the wear and tear started to set in. So that's that is part of my concern with him
1: D- dating dating back to to twenty eighteen. I think he's lost his last eight games, which is yeah I'm sounds something like that. Because um
0: yeah because they they beat the Saints in Week seventeen of twenty eighteen, but Cam Newton didn't play in that game. So that sounds right. Uh, when you look at the Chargers, I think that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, if I'm L.A., I would much rather roll with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert or even Tua Tagovailoa if they have the opportunity to draft a quarterback. Now, if they can't get a quarterback, adding Cam Newton makes a ton of sense. But at that point, you're already looking at late April, early May by the time you're bringing him in. I don't know if he'll remain on the market that long. But I do think that the Chargers, from even just a PR perspective, bringing in a former MVP, a guy who went to the Super Bowl, he's a, a household name, getting Cam Newton in there. He's not Tom Brady, but he's someone who could certainly help that you know team because if you see the way he dresses at gives press more, conferences. He has buzz. the L.A. vibe, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it makes so a ton it, of for sense.
1: A team, for a team that's not even first in their own market uh, in L.A. with the Rams ahead of them, like, it would definitely give more buzz if Cam Newton were there. Do you
2: guys feel like the Panthers wronged him in the way that they handled his departure? Do you feel... And specifically, I'm not talking about his legacy. I'm talking about his ability to land uh, an opportunity elsewhere.
0: So I do, but I think a lot of the issue with it is the fact that teams can't conduct great physicals right now given the travel restrictions you know, not being able to, you know, all the social distancing stuff right now. I think it's a bad time for Cam Newton to be in this position because I don't think it would have come to this if teams could actually evaluate him, but you can't right now. You don't know what you're getting, and you don't want to give up any kind of valuable asset and pay him top dollar to be your quarterback because you don't know what you're getting. That's a
1: good point. All right, so for my list, the first guy I'd like to talk about is Darius Slay, who is... uh. Great corner for the Detroit Lions for past several years. He signed with the Philadelphia Eagles at a forty-four year, forty-eight million dollar deal. Uh, again with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's certainly going to be an upgrade for an Eagles team that was had one of the worst secondaries uh, all of last season. They had they had so many injuries on in their in their secondary last year. They had fifteen different players receive snaps in on their team secondary. Uh, and the one uh, bright spot on their team in the secondary last season it just is the second guy that I'd like to talk about, which is Malcolm Jenkins, who is leaving Philadelphia and he's returning back to his uh, former team, the New Orleans Saints. And I th- certainly think Malcolm Jenkins uh, can help the Saints become not only a playoff team, which they have been for several years now, but possibly... Super Bowl team Uh, he's one of the best one been one of the better safeties in the league and even though I I'm not a huge fan of the Eagles of course for obvious reasons beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl I do like Malcolm Jenkins he's uh, again one of the better safeties in the league and and he had an actually reading right here he had an 83.3 coverage grade uh, last season and certainly is a big couldn't be a big uh, hole for the Eagles but a huge upgrade for the Saints and then my la- the last guy I'd like to talk about um, re- remaining with the the Cowboys is Gerald McCoy, who signed for a three-year deal with a maximum of $20 million on the contract, and I certainly think he's going to help their, the Cowboys' defensive line. And because of that signing, that gives the Cowboys uh, more focus on – the secondary in the draft, especially after losing Byron Jones. So I think three three moves that help three good teams on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Okay, so let's start off with Slay. And I guess you can almost put Slay and Jenkins together. The Eagles lose Jenkins, but they're placing Darius Slay. And I think that this was a deal that a lot of people saw coming. Howie Roseman, of course, he's uh, gained a reputation for a lot of the trades he's been able to pull off over the years. He gets a third and a fifth round, or gives up a third and a fifth round pick, in turn gives Darius Slay a big contract. I think three years, $50 million. Uh, I want to say it's only thirty guaranteed. I think it's a, a pretty solid move for the Eagles. We know how bad their cornerback play was last year. Uh, they've kept some of their guys. I think Avante Maddox is coming back. Cindy Jones is still there but uh, adding Slay gives them a true number one type corner at a position that they really needed to make a big splash. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of Jenkins, I know he's older at this point. Uh, I don't.
1: Yeah, he, he's 32, so yeah, he's definitely in the back, back nine of his career, like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, but I think him and Sanders, they're both guys that even though they're near the end of their careers, they're both guys especially Malcolm Jenkins, I still think they have a lot left in the tank.
0: They're in a win-now win window. I mean, they, they brought back Drew Brees, two years, $50 million. They added Emmanuel Sanders. They added Malcolm Jenkins. They're getting these older guys who they they want to win with now, and it's been a win-now window for New Orleans for the past couple of years. They've always had a ton of heartbreaking playoff losses with the Minneapolis Miracle the, and Nickel Roby Coleman, who signed with the Eagles as well, uh, that non-call pass interference and then this past season losing to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in overtime. So for the Saints they got to do whatever they need to do to make this a great team. They lose Von Bell in free agency of the Bengals and they bring in Malcolm Jenkins who while it's been a few years he's obviously familiar with the New Orleans Saints from where he started his career. So I I do think that's a pretty solid signing for New Orleans. Agree. Uh, And then I guess Gerald mccoy so ben you and i were both pretty big on the panthers signing Gerald mccoy last year
1: i was as well but you guys i think were higher than than me on it
2: when i think of Gerald mccoy on the panthers i think of his pregame hype speech before the uh 49ers game have you guys seen the edit that has been going that went around the internet after that game i don't think so well it's basically Gerald mccoy like you know in the middle of the huddle like he's talking about it's like oh they, they've played some people but they ain't played us they like they think they're all that but they ain't played us yet and then we dropped a 50 burger on them and it like it slowly yeah. fades in and you start hearing like that <laughs> as like nice. Joe mccoy yeah. is like talking about how they're gonna totally destroy <laughs> the 49ers and they got just totally uh. obliterated um But I look at McCoy as like a low risk, potentially high reward uh, signing. You know, he's he's going to play well. Uh, He's I think he's like a safe bet on the money. Uh, But he could potentially be uh, like return to um, you know dominant form and, and be really worth the money. I
1: think I think what helps with this move is that he's finally with a great team. He's been with the Bucks, the Brady, the non Brady Bucks. And then the Panthers last season without Cam Newton and really any hopes of doing anything. So I think finally going to a good team uh, is certainly going to help the Cowboys and Gerald McCoy.
0: Yeah, I think he still has something left in him. I think it's a solid move for the Cowboys. They're getting him relatively cheap compared to what he had been making in previous years. So um, I I like the signing for Dallas, especially after losing Malik Collins. Uh, they, They replaced him with a guy who's just as good, if not better, in Gerald McCoy. So I'll move on on to my three guys, and I'll start off with Todd Gurley signing a one-year, $6 million deal with the Falcons. And while him going to the Falcons is noteworthy in its own right, I think it's a much bigger story that Gurley was in the position to leave the Rams in the first place, because I think it's clear that after this move, teams are going to be extremely hesitant to pay running backs, because the idea was Todd Gurley coming off this phenomenal MVP type 2017 season made sense for the Rams to pay him. They paid him early and they certainly suffered their consequences. A lot of dead money. Uh, The Rams are in a really tough spot right now. And I think that this does not bode well for other running backs who are on that rookie contract and they're looking to get paid. So in terms of him going to Atlanta, Falcons loading up on first round picks. Uh, They, they have a first rounder at every offensive line position, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, Calvin Ridley. They added LeCron- Quan Treadwell, traded for Hayden Hurst. So that that offense is going to be loaded, right? All those first round picks in there. Um, and I, I think that's an interesting way for them to build their roster because there's certainly a lot of guys that are pretty um, disappointing in that group. But it, it'll be interesting to see what the Falcons offense can look like this year, especially having Tom Brady in Tampa now. You have Drew Brees. The Panthers. Seemingly upgrading from Kyle Allen with Teddy Bridgewater, so I think the Falcons are going to need to rely on that offensive firepower, and it'll start with Gurley being healthy.
1: Do you do you think Todd Gurley can come back to like top five running back kind of form, or do you think he's just going to keep declining and declining? Yeah, I I don't think so.
0: I I don't. I think that he's someone who can no longer be considered a featured three down back. I think the Falcons are going to need to find some way to supplement the position beyond Todd Gurley. And my guess is that they're going to look to the draft to do that. So, I mean, they they already got burned by the Devontae Freeman contract. I think they've kind of learned that paying running backs top dollar is not necessarily the, the best strategy. No, it is not. Speaking of paying running backs top dollar, the next guy, Melvin Gordon. So he reportedly turned down $10 million a year from the Los Angeles Chargers. I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of four for 40 with $20 million guaranteed and said he signs two for 16 with the Denver Broncos, only $13.5 million guaranteed. This is a classic example of a guy holding out, betting on himself, getting paid, and more or less failing. You know, the salary cap could go up. Maybe he could end up making more money down the road. But he's certainly someone who uh, is kind of looking back pretty foolishly uh, for not taking that Chargers deal, assuming that he would have liked to continue to play in L.A. Instead, the Chargers got lucky, and they paid his his backup, who's more versatile, Austin Eckler, less money than they would have had to pay Gordon.
2: Yeah, you guys seen that stonks
0: meme? This is not stonks. It's the opposite. No, not at all. (laughs) So... Uh, and it also kind of feels maybe a little redundant with Philip Lindsay. I mean, you're talking about two guys who they're they're both very solid running backs. They're both Pro Bowl caliber, but neither of them are these like huge threats in the receiving game. You know, they they can certainly contribute in some ways. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that Denver is going with this type of tandem. Yeah, I think Philip Lindsay
1: said we could be a great one-two punch. Lindsay makes a good third-down running back as main. As a better pass catcher than, than anything.
0: Yeah, they'll, they'll find a way to make it work, I'm sure. But I don't know. It seems like a weird situation for Gordon to go to. And in terms of the money he's making, it's certainly not what he could have made in L.A. The, the
1: The Chargers are pretty fortunate that Gordon didn't take that deal because, yeah, that would have been too much money for someone like him. And they got someone who I think is actually better than Melvin Gordon. I think Austin Eckler is a, had a really terrific season last year and he's, has, has a good future.
0: Yeah, they certainly have no qualms about losing Gordon. So, last guy I want to talk about. We had a lot of quarterback moves that we discussed on last episode. One that happened shortly after is Nick Foles being traded by the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Chicago Bears. Ryan Pace made a lot of questionable moves this offseason, overpaying for Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, I like the Robert Quinn signing, but beyond that, he was paying a lot of these, like, washed up guys you know these unproven previous talents and nick Foles is one where i like them bringing him in but i don't like them giving up a fourth round pick for him and paying him his his big salary that i think a lot of people were skeptical about when he signed it with jacksonville and it looks even worse now that he could have gotten cam newton for nothing Uh, both less traffic and less money. So I think Nick Foles in terms of coming in, he makes sense as someone who can run Matt Nagy's offense. They have uh, a bit of a relationship together. I think from their time in Kansas city, I think Foles has other connections with some of the other guys on Nagy's staff. Um, It's kind of hard to not be an improvement on Mitchell Trubisky last year I know I've been pretty high on him but I think between Trubisky and Foles the Bears are they they're putting a lot of eggs in at least one of their baskets working out because Foles they're giving up a lot of money for him it's hard to imagine that he's going to be riding the bench uh, just given what they gave up to acquire him and what they're paying him
1: I mean yeah we could talk about the fit all we want but I mean Giving up a fourth-round pick and paying all that money is—it makes no sense. It makes no sense to me.
0: All right. So, uh, from there, let's do our burning question: Which team did the most in free agency to improve their chances of success in the 2020 season? Now, there is still more off-season to be played. Things could certainly change from here. But based on the moves of the last week, whose outlook has improved the most? Let's start with Ben.
2: Okay. This is not, this is more answering the question li- more literally because I'm not really a believer in the whole dream team approach, but you have to, you know, talk about what the Dolphins have done. They signed. Byron Jones, Calvin Noy, Shaq Lawson, Eric Flowers, Emmanuel Ogba, Jordan Howard. I mean, if you want to talk about doing the most in free agency, I mean, the Dolphins definitely went out and spent the money. So I was definitely not a big fan of the Dolphins last season, although they ended up with a better record than I ever expected them to have. I definitely think they did the most this offseason. So no joke, I
1: was Gonna pick the Dolphins as well for all the same reasons Ben just said. Uh for a backup team, I'll guess I'll pick the I'll pick the Cowboys. I know that uh a lot of their moves were just re-signing guys, but losing Amari Cooper would have been a massive loss. Uh so getting him back was huge. And I already talked about Jared McCoy. They franchised Dak and hopefully he plays under that that deal. They also got Greg Zerline uh for a three year seven and a half million dollar deal. They got Haha Clinton Dix. Uh, for one year, $4 million. Uh, They also got Don Terry Poe. So again, uh, that really helps their D-line. And yes, they lost Byron Jones, but they could really focus their, uh, their attention on finding guys in the secondary through the draft. So as a backup uh, after the Dolphins, I'll go with the Cowboys.
0: So I, the Dolphins are one of a few teams that I, I could be prepared to make an argument for. Um, I think my only hesitation with Miami is the fact that their history the, and they definitely, well, I was they just definitely spent a lot of money on. They the, did, the, and the they free agents. It, that they, yeah, yeah, they spent a lot of money on guys, and it's not something that has always worked out for them. That being said, Ben made a good point. They did the most. They added a ton of guys, and you know we saw the Cleveland Browns kind of flame out last year. If the Dolphins can do what the Browns were unable to do. This is a team that absolutely can compete in the AFC East, which sounds crazy to say given where they were at the start of last season. Uh, That being said, the team that I believe did the most to change their outlook and improve for 2020 is a team that made what I consider the biggest splash, the most surprising splash of the entire offseason, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Going out and getting DeAndre Hopkins for basically nothing, Not only do they shed a bad contract of David Johnson, but they only gave up a second-round pick, 40th overall. They still have the 8th overall pick to be able to continue to add to this team. I think Hopkins helps improve their offense even more. Kyler Murray, Rookie of the Year last year, he has a veteran, Larry Fitzgerald. He is a promising young receiver in Christian Kirk. Now you give him arguably the best in the league, certainly top three in DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Beyond just adding Hopkins, they improved their defense by adding... Defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, solid for the Bills last year. Didn't have a whole lot of a role after they signed Star Tullier and drafted Ed Oliver in the top 10. Arizona takes advantage, brings him in. They also added linebackers. Uh, Devin Kennard from the Lions and Devondra Campbell from the Falcons. Kennard, seven sacks the past two seasons as the Lions defensive captain. Campbell led the Falcons in tackles 129 last year. I think the Cardinals play in a very difficult division in the NFC West, and that, that that's a fact. The 49ers went to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks made the playoffs. They won a playoff game last year. The Rams disappointed. But they still went 9-7, and seven, still barely missed the playoffs. So the Cardinals have their work cut out for them, but... For as tough a division as they're in, they're certainly a team that can compete, a team that has the opportunity to take a giant step forward this year just based on the moves that they've made. All right. So uh, let's let's kind of get closer to wrapping up the NFL talk. Uh, one move that happened since free agency started that I feel like has flown a little under the radar, that's Travis Frederick, Dallas Cowboys center, retiring, only 29 years old. And this is something we're starting to see a lot of. Luke Keekley, He's a player who had been going to the Pro Bowl almost every single season of his career, 28 years old. He retired. Last year, we had Rob Gronkowski, Andrew Luck. They all retire 30 years younger. Patrick Willis back in 2014. Now, one theme is these guys have had significant injuries, whether it's dealing with concussions. Uh, um, Frederick had a medical condition that kept him all out of 2018. And you start to wonder as we learn more and more about some of these injuries that guys have suffered and some of the traumatic long term effects, if we're going to start seeing this as the norm, as guys retiring while they're still in their prime and still have a lot to give. Uh, football's a. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I-, I was going to say, like, we're seeing
2: it. This is it. You know, um, it's becoming more common. It- it's amazing how similar Luke Keekley's trajectory was to Patrick Willis's. Like, your top of the game like consistent pro bowler. Everyone knows you as like top tier middle linebacker and then you quit. It's uh, like, there's no reason that, Like these guys have job security. They're getting paid. They're top of the game, but it's not worth it uh, if it means sacrificing, having a normal life after football. And I only think that mindset will grow.
1: Yep. Football is a very physical game. And I think uh, as time has gone on, players learn more and more about the sacrifices they make uh, playing in the NFL in terms of a physical aspect, and Ben said it perfectly comparing uh, Luke Kuechly to Patrick Willis' career trajectory where both of them middle linebackers top of their game in their prime, and they just decided to hang it up. And neither of them won a Super Bowl, but they have got paid lots of money, and they felt that it was worth uh, leaving and Andrew Luck as well. Last season re- retiring before this season was just about to start.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about pro bowl caliber players. You know, a lot of these guys are going to be in consideration for the hall of fame. Uh, you do partially wonder if having shortened careers could have a bit of a knock on them. Uh, but you're looking at guys that you assume are going to be in the league for longer. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that Luke Keekley with if healthy can give you a 16 game all pro type of season Rob Gronkowski the same kind of way but they just have all these things that build up throughout their careers that it's just not worth it anymore so I, well, I well, if,
1: at least I mean for Gronk you could tell by his last season that his play completely dropped off and given all the back surgeries and and what else uh, he had in the past
3: he
0: he still had plenty of moments where he came up big for the Patriots even if he was in a bit of a lesser role. I think that's something that you have seen with some of these other guys, but uh when you have all these injuries, it just it it's going to shorten some of these careers. I mean, you could with Gronk it was
2: obvious though, just looking at him. It's like mm-hmm.
0: Obi-Wan said, he's more machine than man
2: now. You know, he was so uh like the permanent arm brace and uh, yeah, it was just that is the type of understandable retirement where you're like, okay, he did it. You can call it a career. With a guy like Luke Kuechly, you, you you say it's like there was so much more potential there, um, and it wasn't obvious. That, I mean, obviously he had a lot of concussions, but it wasn't obvious looking
0: at him that there was something wrong. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't something people were predicting. People predicted with Gronk. No one is predicting Andrew Luck retire. No one, no one is one was predicting Luke Keekley retire. As far as I know, nobody no one's predicted Patrick Willis, either, especially
2: so. with how silly his injuries. No. I know it's a very serious injury, but turf toe being enough to end Patrick Willis was definitely yep. a surprise
1: for me. Oh, another one, Calvin Johnson.
2: Uh, I look at Calvin Johnson more retirement because he's like, I can't believe I have to play for the lions. I'd rather
0: just not play football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was very yeah. similar to Barry Sanders in that perspective, but hey, that's another situation of a guy top of their game, retiring early. So uh, it's unfortunate to think that we could be losing a lot of star NFL players too soon. Uh, but it's, I think it is something that we're starting to grow a little more accustomed to because, uh, Luke Keekly definitely came out of nowhere, and it, it wouldn't be surprising if there are more guys who we assume, oh, they have three, four, five years left. Just aside,
1: Andrew Luck out. is definitely the one, the retirement that t- ticked me off the most because he was that next guy. He was replacing an all-time quarterback in Peyton Manning, and you know, you know, one hundred percent sure that this guy was going to be if if he played for ten, fifteen plus years, he was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but. The Colts didn't do nearly enough to help him, especially with their offensive line. And the more he, more times he got hit, the more I was thinking, this guy's not going to last as long as we hope. And everything that play, played out is exactly what I thought would happen, except the fact that he retired
0: a week before a season was about to start. Literally three days after Ben and I said that he was going to be a sleeper MVP <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> They were
1: improving. Their offensive line finally did get better, and they were outside of the Chiefs and Patriots. They were one of the better teams coming into that year.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think there were too many people who would have predicted in uh, at the end of the twenty eighteen season that in twenty twenty Andrew Luck would be retired, and thirty eight year old Philip Rivers would be the starting quarterback. Of the <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk some coronavirus sports news as more things start to. Uh, come out whether it's postponements cancellations or something like the nfl draft proceeding as scheduled so scheduled for april 23rd to 25th and we say proceeding as scheduled more of the dates are going to say the same it's not going to take place in las vegas anymore which would make no sense to do without a crowd Uh, so what are your guys thoughts on the nfl still holding the draft as planned
2: i think that it's fine um the draft itself but it's the events leading up to the draft that are the problem because there's pro days being canceled and plenty of players who are going to get drafted without having measurables and i think that pro days and and the combine are definitely overvalued you know it's there's never a point in a football game where you run around in your underwear if there was there'd be so many guys whose careers would have turned out totally different but there are going to be guys who are going to get drafted because they look like they're good at football um, or they just don't know and they're guessing. And a lot of teams are going to screw up on draft day, I think. Um, so not the draft isn't the problem. It's the events that are canceled before it that are the issue.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. The events before the draft, yeah, that's, that's definitely one to think about. But the draft itself, no, keep the draft. Uh, when NFL free agency was starting to... Coming to start, people were talking about oh, maybe we should postpone the NFL uh, NFL free agency because of how bad it is right now with the coronavirus. And I don't think it would be appropriate to announce all these contracts. And to me, I'm thinking, no, we need some sort of sports news to keep our minds off of what's going on in the world right now. So I want I don't want the draft to be postponed whatsoever. Um, if they have to have everyone at home. So you know how in the NFL draft there are a lot of guys that show up at the draft and they get their picture with oh yeah like no they can't yeah. do that keep the draft
0: it's going to be on a zoom meeting
1: yeah <laughs> but still <laughs> but- <laughs> just keep the draft so people at home millions of fans all over the world can have their minds set on something else besides uh, what's going on right now in today's world
0: absolutely I mean, we need an nfl free agency we need the draft and I understand the concerns from general managers, other personnel, when it comes to not being able to have everyone in the room, not be able to attend all these last-minute pro days and stuff. But you had the Senior Bowl. You had all the tape from f- like the past college season. You had the Combine. There should be enough for these guys to be able to know who is a great talent. You can Skype in, FaceTime, whatever, have those conversations you need to. Uh, Teams are doing as much as possible, it seems like, to be able to evaluate these players, and I think everyone's in the same kind of boat. So I absolutely believe that you got to have the draft, because the thing is, when else are you going to be able to do it? There's so much uncertainty right now. Same thing with NFL free agency. If we postpone it, when are we going to start it? So... I I like what the NFL is doing. You can have a draft without having fans, without having people together, uh, and you can still find ways to have it on TV and get people watching and make money while keeping social distance and being smart about it. So uh, I absolutely agree that the NFL draft should continue.
2: Yeah, and I think Robert, there's no way, I know Robert Goodell has made some very questionable decisions in his tenure, but I think there's no way he misses out on an opportunity to have an NFL draft where there's no one there to boo him. So <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he <laughs> definitely will proceed as planned on schedule.
0: Yep. So something that won't be proceeding as planned on schedule, the Olympics. Uh, it, it took a while to postpone them, but they're officially not happening in 2020. They will be happening no later than summer 2021. And I think even though these events aren't set or weren't originally scheduled to happen until July, August, it seems crazy to me how long it took for them to cancel it. Like the idea that you're going to send people to Japan, which is so close to the epicenter, the
1: NBA and NHL and others, other sports have canceled or suspended their schedules and fans that are coming into the arenas to watch these games are coming, most of them, a good chunk of them are coming from different parts of the state. And for the Olympics, it's people from all over the country, all over the world. (laughs) Like, how is that going to work that uh, whatsoever? No, I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm surprised it took them this long to, to postpone it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's surprising because it is one of like, it's so obvious. <laughs> it's like, <laughs>
0: yeah, of course, we can't have the entire world come together. Are you kidding me? It's just what the virus wants. <laughs> uh-huh. And even if the virus is slowed down enough to the point where you have most places are kind of opening up things, you know, getting somewhat back to normal, the athletes can't train right now. They're, if you're just hindering their ability to succeed in these games, and you're just all of a sudden Ill- illegitimizing them. So, absolutely makes sense. Postpone this, and we were talking about the Olympics. The stadiums are still going to be there. They don't have to schedule around anything. It's not like, oh, what about the 2021 Olympics? There's not going to be a 2021 Olympics. The next one isn't scheduled 2024, so you have all this time. It seems like the easiest thing to be able to postpone and not worry about. So I'm glad that the IOC finally came back. Yeah, l-
1: literally, the, the worst thing you can do in social distancing is bringing in the Olympics. And people from all – not yeah. just athletes, but the families of the athletes from all over the world into one and the one spot. the fans,
0: yep, everybody, yep, yep. So definitely makes sense to not be having those this summer. So uh, – of course, a lot of sports leagues, you know, basically every sports league in the United States has has postponed their season. Uh, Major League Baseball opening day was supposed to be yesterday. We're recording on Friday after. And a very sad day for me. Uh, it was really disappointing not having Major League games and while watching things like the 2013 NL wildcard game with the, the Pirates' victory over the Reds, uh, also watching uh, like the Red Sox. Yeah, in the alcs in 2004 game four you know david Roberts, Steele, ortiz walk-off it's, it's fun you'd rather be watching real baseball so major league baseball players and owners reached a labor agreement just to kind of discuss you know what what would happen in different scenarios how is the mlb going to proceed from here so uh based on this there won't be baseball played until at least mid-may which kind of feels like a miracle if it happens that being said the owners and players agreed that players will get $170 million for April and May. They're getting that money, whether there's a season or not. Uh, some other things that were changed. So the 2020 draft uh, has the possibility of being shortened from 40 rounds all the way down to five rounds. International signing period could be delayed from July to January 2021. Uh, some of the draft money, they said no more than $100,000 of draft signing bonuses will go to players on the draft, and everything will be kind of postponed through summer 2021 and then all of it summer twenty. Why is it being
1: shortened like so much from forty to all the way down to five?
0: Because there's not enough money to pay everybody right okay. now.
1: Okay, okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Um, in terms of undrafted guys, they can still sign, but I think that they're going to cap it at ten thousand dollars for right now. What they can get. Uh, so basically that that's the issue with the MLB right now is that they just they when you're not making money, you don't have all of this to be able to pay everyone. So it's it's an unfortunate so situation. You know, so you
1: know how in the other sports in, in NBA and NHL in particular, uh, a lot of the teams or if not all the teams have come up with plans to pay the workers at the arenas for all these teams and you just you just talked about how MLB will still pay off the players for April and May and so on, what are they going to do for the people that work in the MLB teams? Like, because says stands and all <laughs> Yeah. That.
0: So you're, you're getting, you're getting a little far ahead of ourselves. I do want to uh, come back okay, to that with bad. our next point, but I do want to focus on um, the, what the, uh, the, this new labor agreement is. So the next thing, really the biggest thing of this, if the 2020 season in the doomsday scenario does not happen, players will still earn a year of service time. So Mookie bets could never play for the Dodgers and become a free agent if there's no 2020 season. So it's possible that if the Red Sox bring him back, they could have basically acquired some solid prospects for him and not It was lost their plan the all
1: prospects. along. They knew this was going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that that's certainly a detriment for some teams, you know, guys like Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman who were traded last year the Reds and the Mets. Those were two teams that you know they they weren't in the greatest shape in july 2019 when they made the trades but the idea was that they were improving their 2020 team now all of a sudden they might not have a 2020 team and they might lose the players for nothing so uh, that'll be interesting i certainly hope it doesn't come to that i hope they can play games at some point Uh, but the idea is that the players aren't going like they're not going to play games until fans can be in attendance is it's a possibility that they will look into uh, scenarios without playing, but it sounds like their the goal is to play on neutral sites. So, like New York City, you're not gonna be able to play games at Yankee Stadium right now. So they might have to play games in their spring training park in Florida, or in Tropicana Field, Marlins Park. I don't know why Florida is considered the place where you can play because you know after spring break, it seems like that there's probably a lot of uh, coronavirus running around undetected there. Uh, but that that's part of the idea is that these teams would play on neutral fields if that's what it takes to get games going. So, finally, you know, kind of the the debate topic here is there are discussions in the past of Major League Baseball potentially expanding to 14 games given what's going or 14 teams in the postseason. Given what's going on, there's a chance that they could do that this year. So, Brian, what are your thoughts on the MLB expanding to 14 games? I teams? hate it. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the
1: playoffs. It's the it's the regular season, it's the slow pace of play. I've talked about it several times the one-game playoff. You hate it, but for good reason, because your one of your favorite teams got screwed by it. But I actually love it. I I love the one-game playoff and the drama that's involved in it, and I like the five-seven-seven seven format. So I don't. And you got ten teams. That's one third of the league. I don't know what's wrong with that. I, don't, I expanding the playoffs just like the NFL is not. I'm not in favor of. That's just me, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, long term, I definitely hate it. Even in the short term, I don't like the idea of this. In the NBA or the NHL, I like the idea of expanding the number of playoff teams when the season's been suspended. You have the opportunity to reward teams for having good seasons. You know, they're in a position where they could have made a playoff push, but when you lose two, three months, you don't have as much time to start up the regular season. Absolutely, let most teams make the playoffs. But. When the season hasn't even started, it makes no sense to do that. I don't care if they play 50 games, 140 p- games, just whatever. Just play
1: wh- whatever, whenever the season starts, whether it's in May, June, July, or whatever. Like, just play the original format. And I might be even more intrigued by baseball by having less rigorous season games. Because you know how that cliche, every game is important, but like it doesn't really feel important when there's 100, it 162. Becomes a of them. It becomes way more important when you divide that by by two and there's only 80 81 games in the season or or less every game really becomes important then
0: keith Olbermann actually has a a uh, interesting proposal so he basically was citing all the other events being postponed till september and saying why do we believe major league baseball will be able to go before then so his idea is a 32 game season where you only play intra to division games. So basically the Red Sox would play the Yankees eight times, the Blue Jays eight times, the Orioles eight times, and the Rays eight times. All uh, in this like one month in September I, I haven't
1: heard that till now, then, but I
0: I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It would be, I mean, if that's what it comes down to, that would be cool. And then I, from that there, would, it would just be, cool. be a normal playoff format. And you'd basically have every series, teams who didn't even play in the regular season have no idea what's going on. It'll be like a throwback to the old days of the World Series when the American League and National League didn't play in the regular season and the winners just met in the World Series. So uh, certainly would be kind of sad if we have to wait until September for baseball, but I would rather have baseball in September than no baseball at all. All right. So Ben, welcome back to the mic as we move on to our, our last uh, coronavirus sports topic. And uh, one point that Brian talked about, you know, you would ask about what Major League Baseball was doing to pay you know, ballpark staffers and all 30 teams pledged a million dollars. To pay their staff uh, in the short term, at least I don't know how much uh, one million dollars will do if the entire season is lost. But they're they're doing what they can. You have a lot of players that are coming out and saying that they're going to pay the the staff, the management as as much money as possible given the circumstances. Now, Josh Harris, he is the owner of the New Jersey Devils, the owner of the Philadelphia Flyers, and he actually has an eighteen percent share in Crystal Palace.
3: <laughs> wow. So that's
0: yeah, Ben's Ben's EPL team. So he uh he's the um I think the he runs the Apollo Management Group, which is uh an alternative investments firm. So I've I've seen Wikipedia shows his net worth is four and a half million. I've read articles that say it's 3.7 or sorry, 4.5 billion. Um, Wikipedia but uh, there's a lot of things on the internet saying it's only $3.7 billion, so that's a lot. And he said that he was going to slash employee salaries by 20%. So this news came out, and naturally the internet was not a fan. Everyone attacking him, having all this money, and not paying his uh, staff. And the internet basically bullied him into saying, okay, fine, I'm going to pay everyone their full salaries. So I think it's just something that you're starting to see with uh, a lot of these owners and these teams as they try to figure out what they're going to do. Most of the good guys are paying their employees their rightful salary, at least in the short term. Uh, And it's kind of good to see that he, he backed off on these claims. Um, Joel Embiid stepped up, said he was going to pay $500,000 of his salary toward uh, the staff that would be affected by this. So, uh, I think that played a role in addition to the internet, but uh, one thing that uh, has I've I've also read about is an owner who is putting in similar policies, and as far as I know, has not backtracked off them, and that is Boston Bruins owner Jeremy yeah. Jacobs. So he said that he was going to. I think 68 employees were going to be temporarily laid off, and another 82 were going to be uh, have reduced salaries. And naturally, a lot of Bruins fans are not no, happy about that. And a lot of fans, absolutely general, not. I
1: th- it just, it's common sense that okay, the own all these owners, whatever the sport is, they have millions, billions of dollars, and the employees, the staffers at the, these arenas, they live paycheck to paycheck and now they, they they're out of a job so i think by common sense they should jeremy jacobs should do like what all these other owners are doing and, and players is to try to provide for those all those employees instead of laying them off or not paying them it, make, it makes no sense to me yes yeah, so i hate it just as much as anyone else
2: Or the government could step in and help. You know, that's an option as well. There's plenty of people who don't work in companies that have millionaires and billionaires involved. And um, nobody caught, no, no one's to blame necessarily for this uh, crisis, right? Um, like it's not like someone at the top of the company was like, oops, and caused a virus. Um, this didn't even come from our country. So I think it's nice that there are people who are generous enough to give a bunch of money. Um, but this is exactly when the government... And the government did just take drastic action. Um, yeah, the $2 trillion stimulus. But package. if you're not... Yeah, but if... I don't want to get too political. But if you're not a mm. corporation, you're going to need a little bit more assistance than that. So um, unless 1200 yep. will get you through the next few months, in which case you're good to go. Um, so. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean I I don't necessarily want to play devil's advocate when it comes to these billionaire owners, but that that is a fair point is like that it is great to see some of them do this, but there's only so much that they can kind of do in this position. So, uh you know, however people can help out, but it, the government probably should be you know, held a little bit responsible beyond just some of these billionaires, but uh the, when you have so many of them that are paying their staffers, it's easy to call out the ones that aren't doing it. Like josh harris or jeremy jacobs so with that let's wrap up part one and all the sports talk and let's move on to part two of this episode Uh, you can just let this one finish and the next one will start playing and we'll talk about some non-sports news coronavirus as well as our top five tv and film doctors. so thanks everyone